Welcome into another episode of We're Talking. Today we're talking baseball. Sunbelt Conference baseball with voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, Danny Reed, and voice of the UL Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker. How are you today, Danny? Doing all right. Hope you guys are too. I finally stopped raining around here, so I think we're going to survive. Jay, how are you? I'm I'm terrific. I didn't have to put up with the rain because I was out of town and uh, and we haven't, I haven't seen rain since I got back. So everything's lovely. It's all good. Uh, let's jump right in. Let's go back to last week real quick. Uh, uh, Old Dominion Southern Miss, was that, I mean, it seems like it played out like we kind of thought it would with, I mean, I shouldn't say the way we thought it would, but with two of the top teams in the league uh, going head to head there, your thoughts on the, the weekend there? Danny, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I think that Old Dominion might be the most balanced team I've seen. Southern Miss still has that pedigree of you need to beat us. And that's what they ended up showing, taking two of the three. I don't think the weather was really good in Norfolk. There were some crazy wins in the first game of that doubleheader. I think they had a couple of drop fly balls during the game. I'm still pretty impressed by both. I don't know that Southern Miss has nearly the pitching that they did last year when they won 47 games. But I think that they are going to be a really tough out in Montgomery, a really good candidate to win the regular season. And I still think that Old Dominion might have the most depth of arms that I've seen. Now, granted, I'm not going to see every team in the league and may not get to see anybody, everybody anyway, by the time we get to Montgomery. But as far as depth of arms, I was really impressed by that Old Dominion series. And I think that even though the Southern Miss has a bunch of guys that can throw 93 to 96, they don't have a lot of experience and they're still looking for some role identification outside of cross Sibley and Sibley's going to end up being one of the best relievers in the league this year. It's just crazy what he's been able to do. John Cox was telling me that when we went down there a couple of weeks ago, he was a guy that right before the season, they were thinking uh, maybe a couple of games here and there. He ends up throwing four shutout opening weekend out of the bullpen against Liberty. And they just kept throwing him out there ever since. And nobody can seem to, figure him out. George Southern hit him, but still lost the game to start that series. But I think that's a matchup. That was a matchup of two of the teams that are going to be right in it by the time we get to the end of the season. You know, Tanner Hall is, you know, he's got a couple of losses this year, but he's still the premier arm in this league, I think. Um, and the the question that I have, though, about Southern Miss now is their game two starter had to leave early. Uh, in the game because of injury. So I, I think we need to keep a, keep an eye um, on that, but you know, that the series went kind of like I expected it, you know, they were going to get after each other. The games were going to be tight. Um, as the, as the series went on, you were going to see some runs scored and um, you know, Southern Miss got two out of three and um, I'm not surprised. Wouldn't have been surprised if old dominion would have taken two of three. Would have been surprised if either one would have swept. Yeah. Any surprise uh, going into the weekend? I, I felt like uh, the the South Alabama Texas State series was going to show something to one of the two teams. Would it be South Alabama folds because they had been struggling a little bit, or is Texas State going to be exposed a little bit because they haven't had what they thought would be a better team coming back? I guess, uh, Danny. Well, I think that everybody on here would agree that doubleheaders are not designed to be swept. They are designed to be split at the very, very best. And then most of the time, if you're on the road, 
you're probably giving a little bit of leeway to the home team to win the series. And that's that's exactly how it played out for South. They split the doubleheader. South ends up walking off on a pretty wild play at the end of the game where I think somebody for Texas, they missed a base when they were trying to turn a force or a tag. It was just a really, really unique play waiting for South Alabama to do something like this. And I know that Texas state hasn't having the season that they were hoping. That's still a really solid offense. They've got some things to figure out pitching wise, but for South Alabama, they had to show that, Hey, we're still South Alabama in a series like that, regardless of where the teams are at. That's something that they eventually had to do to show themselves. Jay, we've seen South Alabama's Cajuns, uh, but we haven't seen Texas state yet. Were you able to follow that? series a little bit yeah i was able to follow it a little bit i'm um again i'm not surprised with the with the way that it turned out and danny's right you know double headers are made to be split which is why i was impressed with the cajuns after losing game one to south alabama that they were able to sweep the double header the next day and win the series in mobile you know i think at the time south alabama was really really struggling and there are a lot of folks that Oh, you know, when, when you lose a, a game uh, to South Alabama, you know, oh, you lost to a bad South Alabama team. I, I think South Alabama is a little bit better than they showed that weekend. And I think they showed that, uh, you know, they've got they've got issues, uh, I think, with their pitching staff. But uh, they're starting to get two out hits now, which is something they weren't doing earlier in the year. And they made a living a couple of years ago with two out hits and they wanted to win into winning the championship. Um, I, I, I think they're starting to come out of it a little bit and I think they're going to be a tough out the rest of the way. I agree with you both there. I think on the, especially on the double header side of it, uh, uh, the way it happened. And I think if South Alabama does find some pitching uh, from somewhere, if Jeremy Lee can come back and be what he was a couple of years ago. I think South Alabama is going to be a tough out. Yeah, when we and, get to Montgomery. And you know what? It, look at who they've got left. Okay. They've got Georgia State, Troy, and Coastal, but all three of those are in Mobile. They go to ULM, they go to Southern Miss, they go to Arkansas State. So so they got a chance to do a little damage in the last six weeks. Georgia State, James Madison. Uh, Danny, I know uh, we've talked about Georgia State a lot off and on through the years, uh, some good, some bad, some indifferent. But uh, any surprise there with them going up to James Madison, and I believe they lost two out of three? I think it might be too early to say that Georgia State is on the same slide that it had at this time last year, because remember, they erupted out of the case. They were 10-2 and two in conference. They had a lineup that was really slugging driven, lots of doubles, lots of home runs. It, it was tough for them to manufacture offense. And again, I think it's too early to say that they have peaked again, but the way that they lost those two games to a JMU program that is going to struggle to get into the tournament, you lose one on a walk-off hit by pitch, you lose another on a walk-off grand slam and just baseball has a way of baseballing. And I think Georgia State saw both ends of that, even though they did come back to get the last one. They, they saw how cruel the game can be and how good it can be at the same time. Yeah, Jay, the, uh, I, as much as I hate not being at a Cajuns game, when I'm home on, the, on a weekend like this, I've, I've got three TVs up and, and, and a phone going, watching everything going. And that walk-off uh, Grand Slam was just, uh, it just stunned me. Three nothing in the ninth. Yeah. In the ninth inning. And uh, yeah, I, you know what? I don't know. I don't remember ever losing a game that way. 
and I hope I never do. That's that just rips your guts out, man, when you lose one like that. Uh, Jay, uh, Troy at Arkansas State, we talked about the, the wind last week as far as if it was blowing in or blowing out. And then Arkansas State goes out there and on the final day beats Troy 17 to 7. Well, you know, last week when we talked, they had gone to Texas State, had been competitive in all three games, won one of them. And we started to talk a little bit about as the weather gets warmer, that Arkansas State gets better. Well, they go back home to face Troy. They probably should have won game one. They had, uh, they had a couple of guys on in the eighth inning of a tie game. They couldn't get a run home. And then they get a pinch hitter gets a RBI single up the middle and, and they win five to four. And then Troy got them pretty good in, in game two. And then Arkansas State comes and gets game three. What I'm loving out of the bottom of the league right now, because you saw ULM go to App State and take two. And then you see Arkansas State jump up and bite Troy after biting Texas State in a game the year before. What I'm starting to see out of this league is you better not take anything for granted because um, everybody in the league is capable of jumping up and biting you, even the teams that aren't real good if you don't play good baseball. So I was, I, I was kind of glad to see that because I don't, in this league, I don't want to see somebody go, oh, well, they don't have a chance to win a game this weekend. I, I think we can get rid of that now. I think everybody's got a chance to win a game on the weekend. And uh, and that's good to see for the league, I think. Absolutely. I, I think Coach Robe used to talk about it. Everybody's got a Friday night starter, and you're going to have that opportunity. And that Friday night starter may be on Saturday sometime. So uh, you got an opportunity to win a game. Danny, I don't remember if, it, if Jay and I talked about it or if, if the three of us talked about it two weeks ago, but I'll, I'll go ahead and ask this question again. I think we knew the the top of this league was going to be really, really, really good, but is this the, the deepest you've seen a Sunbelt league? Well, the funny side of me wants to say, yeah, because there's the most teams, well. <laughs> because there's 14 teams now. <laughs> but yeah, to, to Jay's point where – you could probably most of the time look at some weekends and say, no problem getting at least two. Probably should sweep, especially if you're at home against certain programs. But now, at least this year, maybe it'll be this way for the rest of the way the league is arranged. But for right now, I, th I think I'd agree. Good deal. Uh, Georgia Southern went up to Coastal. Uh, threat of weather there too that came through uh, Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Arkansas, all of that good stuff. Able to get the games in. Uh, a little bit of a funky schedule again for y'all as well. How did that play out up there? I mean, as far as is, is this is your first time seeing Coastal live, but uh, they seem to be making a statement right now. Yeah, it, it's a team that kind of blends what they did last year with some of those teams that Coastal had early on in their Sunbelt tenure where they were extremely offensive, didn't have a lot of pitching, but a year ago they started to shift that around. They were much more of a dirtbag style team, a grinding team, and they've kind of melded it together. 
I wasn't sure exactly what it was going to look like because we've talked about it on here before. You've got to take Coastal's beginning of the year schedule with a grain of salt because so much of it is at home. And I know that they do have quite a few good programs because of who they're able to attract. But thinking about it a little bit more, I, I think I was pretty impressed by how their offense is. They're really good at lead, getting the leadoff guy on. And when they do, they're almost a given to score. They don't have a lot of team speed, but the, the way that they run, they put pressure on you defensively they made the plays they were supposed to make but what helped them is that they had at least a three-run lead in all three of those games and to Georgia Southern's credit the game that the Eagles came back and won they got it going in the sixth and Jay Thompson was just awesome over the last four and two-thirds innings but it, it seems that when that coastal offense gets going early you're going to have a tough time beating them. And I think Texas State saw that a couple of weeks ago, and they lost the one game. It was at 19-0. They gave up 13 in the next game. If you're able to calm them down the first few innings, keep it reasonable, and then let your offense get to either a tired starter or a bullpen, which I think their bullpen's just okay. And they, they even brought in Teddy Sharkey for the sixth inning of that first game thinking, okay, they're going to their closer this early because they must have looked at Georgia Southern, went to Jay Thompson, but Jay's not really a true closer. He just does whatever is needed. He's not that closer-specific guy. If he needs to come in early, middle, late, whatever, he just does it. But Sharkey didn't have his best stuff in that first game of the doubleheader, and he threw almost 50 pitches, so they burned him. He couldn't come back for that second game, and the rest of their bullpen was just okay, but the, that offense is pretty good. You guys gave them hell at times, so uh, I I watched all three games and 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 was able to listen to most of your broadcasts, and I was just impressed though with Georgia Southern the way they kept punching back, punching back, punching back. There were a couple times though that Coastal counterpunched, and you just weren't able to get over that hump. But still, that one well, game you guys won was I thought was a thing of beauty. Yeah, the, the first, that was really nice. That's one of the best wins of the year, especially when the team you're facing has a number 17 next to their name, and then you got a chance to take the series. But what really hurt in that finale, Georgia Southern scored in seven straight innings, which I've been here eight years. I don't know that Georgia Southern has had a game where they've scored in seven straight innings. Only one of those innings was more than a run. So, and I talked with hitting coach Cody Wofford. It was paper cut, paper cut, paper cut. That's how it was. And then Coastal had back-to-back -back innings of multiple runs. So while you took that long to do that, one or two swings, they're equaling or exceeding what you did, and that's what really hurt. Jay, did you get a chance to follow that at all? Not, not very much. Um, there was one of the games, and I don't remember if it was game two or game three, while waiting for our game to start, we had it, uh, we had it on our phone. We were watching it. Um, but no, I didn't get a chance to follow it a whole lot. You know, Coastal sitting there with a nine and three record, and I'm looking at their schedule the next three weeks. Um, they've got they go to Old Dominion this week, then they have Southern Miss at home, and then they come to Lafayette to play the Cajuns. That's a barn so, burner. <laughs> so, so we're gonna we're gonna learn all we need to know about Coastal over the next three weeks, and then on the other hand, you have Georgia Southern, who went through the gauntlet. The first, the first four weeks with the teams that they had to play. Now, you ready? They've got App State at home. They go to Marshall. They get ULM at home. They go to Troy and Georgia State, and they get James Madison at home. Danny, if you can't go 14-4 and four with that, shame on you. <laughs> in theory, in theory, but as we know, baseball is going to baseball. No, it is. It is. You're, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I was, I was saying that just to dig at you. But really, you know, 
These are six series that you can win. And if you do that and you take two out of three, that's 12 and six. And now you're right in the middle of this thing. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, I don't think Danny has any control whether the, the team wins or not. No, no Danny, all, Danny has all the control in the world. Although, if I had all the control, do you think I would have had us go 0-5 in championship games? <laughs> <laughs> do you think I'm that sadistic? I think you're walking. You, you, you've got to change your uh, routine up. After we lose a game, I don't go in the same gate. You know, I know it. I know it doesn't affect the team, but why take a chance? I'll I'll, I'll tell you something funny. At the championship game at Coastal at 19, I didn't do this the first couple of times, but I walked around the ballpark because they've got that boardwalk in Conway. 19, I walked around it thinking, okay, just want to soak this in. I want to see what game day is like. Lost that game. And then Montgomery, it was either 21 or last year. It's probably 21. I said, okay, I'm going to walk around this ballpark the other way and see if that ends up doing anything different. <laughs> it did the same thing. <laughs> it's only crazy if it doesn't work. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh all right, uh, Jay, Cajuns at Marshall, I think, uh, you know, on the road, the, the Cajuns, I don't think, have swept a, a road series since last season. So uh, your thoughts on, though, getting up to Marshall, the ballpark? Well, first of all, first of all, I want to say this about Marshall. You know, you've got a new coach this year. Greg Beals has taken over. Now, this guy won a lot of games at Ohio State. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to say this. Marshall plays the game the right way and uh, they go out and they compete uh, and they, and at no time did you see them, their shoulders slump or anything like that. Um, You know, this is a team that I think wasn't very highly valued coming in. In fact, I think they were picked right at or near the bottom uh, in the preseason. They've got a ways to go before they are a contender in this league. But this is a great first step, I think, for this program, being a member of the Sun Belt. I think they made a great hire. I think, once again, they've, they, they've got some guys that want to compete. And, you know, you go ahead and you get that stadium built and you start bringing in even better talent. You know, I think Marshall's definitely on the upswing. They're a much better team than we expected them to be. Uh, the Cajuns played excellent baseball throughout the weekend they pitched very well they hit about what they're hitting on the season about 290 to 295 um they didn't um you know the the cajuns hit home runs and didn't surrender home runs they made one error in the in the three game series and you saw two guys that have been struggling all year max marshak and will veillon had big weekends um Cajuns won all three games by playing some of their best baseball of the year. And yet all three games were competitive. And I think that speaks well of Marshall. You know, the, the thing that I found uh, to your point about being competitive is that Marshall's pitching, the Cajuns were never able to, to knock the starting pitcher really out of the game. They, they kept in there. I mean, the Cajuns kind of clawed and clawed one run, two runs, you know, but they never got to, to their, Marshall's starting pitcher to knock him out. And I don't know if that's because Marshall's bullpen's not deep and they felt they need to keep it in. Well, their their bullpen isn't deep. They threw the two guys out of the bullpen in game one and game two. Um, the guy who started 
for Marshall on Sunday was a guy who actually had pretty decent numbers. But Marshock leads off with a triple, Robichaux homers, two batters later, Rockerford homers. And now you got a team that's already lost twice and you got them on their heels a little bit. And um, and the zoo was very good uh, as, as a starter. You get three quality starts from your starting pitching. I mean, look, it was just a good weekend against a team that's better than we thought was going to be. Now, that ballpark in Charleston, they kind of let it go a little bit. You know, I, I they could... I think they need to do some things. I mean, you know, they played there the night before and there was a lot of trash in the dugout and stuff. And, you know, I, 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 it reminds me a little bit of Riverwalk in Montgomery. And at the same time, it's not near as pristine. Danny, uh, pristine. Good word. Huh, Danny? Yes. (laughs) Danny, I believe the Marshall coach came in. I think he was hired in January. Right. So, I mean, what, what had happened was he had taken the job at Akron yeah, and he went through the fall at Akron and then, you know, Marshall's got a new athletic director and, um, you know, might've been looking for an excuse, uh, but he found a reason to make a change. And so then he, he turns to Beals, who's already taken the Akron job and says, you know, come over here. And Beals says, okay, probably got a better chance to win there down the road than I do in the Mid-America conference. Sunbelt's a much better league. Let, let me go ahead and jump into that. Danny, have y'all seen Marshall yet? No, we're going there next weekend. And <laughs> the he mentions about the park in Charleston, which I've called a lot of games from. It used to be Appalachian Power Park. I know the name's not the same anymore. But I really like that ballpark. Granted, it's been uh, 12 years since I was there last just with all the brick and the way it's in the neighborhood, I, I love that older, older style field, but we're actually playing at the YMCA field next weekend where Troy series also is. And I think that the Ohio river goes right behind the outfield wall. And apparently they have issues with flooding sometimes. And I've, I've had Steve tell me a little bit here and there about what it's like. He doesn't want to give me the full story. I think he wants me to see it for myself. So he doesn't ruin it, but we'll be up there next weekend. We're on the road all next week. We go to Kennesaw, on Wednesday, and then we've got that long trip up to up to Huntington the, that uh, that weekend. It's a um, yeah that uh, you need to let me know what that uh, what that experience uh, experience was like. You know, I found out that um, that Marshall rents the ballpark from the city in Charleston. Fifteen games is what they um, is what they do. Now you had the game against West Virginia. And you had over 4,000 fans uh, at 10 bucks a ticket, and it was a Marshall home game. So that game paid for the rental of the ballpark for the entire season, that the, the entire 15 games. Now, our games, our three games, the attendance was 102, 103, and 117. But they had 4,000 plus for that game against West Virginia on Wednesday. All right, guys, let's uh, take a quick break and then we'll come back. We'll talk about the upcoming week and uh, take a look at a little bit at the standings as well. You're listening to We're Talking. We're talking baseball. Sunbelt Conference Baseball with Danny Reed and Jay Walker.
Welcome back in to We're Talking. We're talking baseball, Sunbelt Conference baseball with Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, and Jay Walker, voice of the Raging Cajuns. Guys, uh, Danny first. Uh, I see Coastal going over to Campbell. I think that with the Easter break and, and ending on Saturday, the teams, I like what they're doing, getting a little creative, playing on Monday. It looks like Coastal is going to be there for two games, spending the night, then got an early game on Tuesday. And I'm sure it has something to do with spring break with both of those teams as well. So getting two games in, Coastal against a very good Campbell team. Any? That's a that's a Campbell team they've already beaten once. They took them down in Conway, and that's one of the wins where if you want to try to figure out who they are, they've beaten Campbell. They went to Chapel Hill, beat North Carolina. They also beat Wake Forest when they were 13-0 and and number two in the country. I think App has Wake Forest tomorrow night. But I've noticed some teams do this over the last couple of years, and it makes more sense now. You couldn't have known this when the season began, but not having to play Saturday or Sunday, you got that extra day. In the case of the Eagles, I think these guys needed a little bit more time to travel back home and then just chill, trying to get over some injuries and make sure that the Eagles will be at full strength, having to go back on the road Tuesday in Jacksonville. But I, I like the fact that if some teams can set it up the right way, play on on Monday is not a bad thing, because then if you've got a weekend, you've got a couple of days to practice, because typically teams wouldn't play on Monday. Monday's almost everybody's off day when you go into a week. But in the case of the Eagles, they're actually getting set to practice right now, and then they'll go to Jacksonville tomorrow and then have those two days to get ready for app on the weekend. One of those days has to be a day off, though. NCAA mandates say you've got to give the guys a day off. Correct. Right. Jay, your thoughts on the Coastal Campbell? We've seen Campbell. We know what they can do. And we've, I'm, you know, I, I just wish that was a conference series. I mean, it, it, I mean, you got two teams that can really, really swing the bat. And um, I think, you know, we'll find out how midweek pitching affects, affects that. Uh, you know, I know the guys at Campbell has the front of their rotation are awfully good. So we'll see what happens when you're throwing midweek guys on a Monday and a Tuesday. But, um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out, but I will not be surprised if uh, the winner of each game is in double figures and won't be surprised if the loser is either. <laughs> Jay, uh, another Monday night game. The TV will be going tonight with two games, Texas, uh, state hosting Texas, and they'll turn around and do the same thing in Austin tomorrow night. So yeah, that's great. You know, I you know we see softball do this, okay, with the uh, the LSU wraparound uh, tournament where you play one day in Baton Rouge and the next day in Lafayette. I I think that that's um, that's pretty cool that they're doing that. I wouldn't mind seeing that happen here as well, because you're only talking about 50 miles separating Baton Rouge and Lafayette and about 45 separating Austin and San Marcos. So um, I think it's cool that they're, that they're doing it back to back like that at the two different venues. I like that. Yeah. I know uh, coach Rowe. this was probably about 10 years ago. We actually had a series set up with LSU at home, LSU in Baton Rouge and LSU in new Orleans. And because of conference mates changing and the conference schedule changing a little bit, we ended up having to rearrange some stuff. So unfortunately, that did not happen. But if anybody from LSU is listening out there, I think this is a great series. Even even if it's not in New Orleans, somewhere like Shreveport, let's make it work somehow. 
Let's do home and home on consecutive nights. I like that. That as well. Danny, your thought on Texas State and Texas, anything there for you to uh, comment on that you may have seen or heard? I think that this is probably the source of Texas State's swagger the last year plus, because isn't this where the horns down from Tristan Stivers originated in Austin last year? It, it, it makes for a very interesting weekend. Uh, uh, again, what, 50 miles at the most uh, separating the two cities. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching that the next two nights. Well, I guess I'll, I guess I won't be seeing it tomorrow night. I'll be at, uh, at the tee watching baseball. So. Yeah, so will I. <laughs> Good. Uh, a couple other games, though. Old Dominion and East Carolina. Uh, is East Carolina our, I know they were ranked. They're ranked one. ninth okay. this week by a D1. Okay. So, Danny, do you guys get up to East Carolina and play them at all? We had a weekend home and home in 2020, right before COVID. It was in Greenville. They swept and then 21 down here. They took two out of three. And I've, I've always been really impressed with how their program is run. I think that Cliff does an outstanding job, and I think there's a reason why both Notre Dame and Clemson wanted him last year and how he continues to be on a lot of people's lists. But I also know that that fan base and that baseball culture, if you watch that super with them in Texas last year, where they could have probably made some arrests if they wanted to get creative, but that's the kind of atmosphere that you want if you're looking to take down a power five at your place to to go to Omaha. And look, Southern Miss could have said the same thing with Ole Miss. Yeah, that, That's exactly what you want your place to be like when you're trying to go for a national championship game. And I think that that's really cool that they could generate something like that. They have a, I say new, but fairly new stadium in the sense of it. The Cajuns in 2000, when they went to the College World Series, East, Car- uh, East Carolina was actually the host. They played at our site. They were the number one seed. Right. They uh, they were in the process of, of uh, okay. redoing their ballpark, which is why they, they weren't able to host. Um, okay. The uh, We went up there a couple years later and and played three up there after the the new ball. But so it's it's about 20 years old okay. now. Um, but it's a it's a very nice venue. And uh I enjoyed I enjoyed that trip up there. Not easy to get to. You know, you gotta you gotta fly to somewhere and then you gotta drive from somewhere. And the closest place is Kinston and it's really not easy to get into there. So you wind up flying into like Raleigh and driving a couple three hours. Uh, finally, uh, Southern Miss at Alabama, Danny, I'm not sure how Alabama is playing this year. They're an SEC school though. And Southern Miss would, uh, would love to take them down as well. Do you know much about Alabama as much as we talk? If I've seen something, it's just been real, real little. I don't want to act like I know a whole lot about Crimson Tide baseball. (laughs) Man refuses to fake it. That's well. That's you know. That's what we're paying them the big bucks for. We need we need to know the the real, the skinny, the down low. You must have my my address wrong because that checks a few years late. Oh well, uh, yeah. I uh, I must have your old one. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Alabama seems to be. They're twenty and twenty. No, I'm sorry, wrong. Twenty three and ten. Twenty three and ten. A 22 RPI. So that that's going to be 
That would be a nice feather in uh, Texas, uh, uh, South Alabama. Shoot, Southern Misses hat. So, if they can get that one, yeah. Yeah, if they can get that one, yes. Here, let me finish your thought for you. I'm sorry, I'm 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 trying to work four computer screens and none of them are cooperating, and I can't I can't even talk sitting with normally, and then I'm trying to do multiple things at once. So, That's uh, on to the weekend. Uh, we, we we talked a little bit about it, but Coastal at Old Dominion. Um, you know, that's the only series this weekend that makes you go, whoa, okay? The, the others, you've got a, a team that's going to be favored over another team, you know? But this one is, whoa, this is this got a chance to be just a tremendous series. Danny, your thoughts on the, the weekend play there with uh, Old Dominion and uh, Coastal? You've yeah, seen... I think that's going to be a really good series. And Old Dominion is thinking, all right, we've done a little bit so far. They're in a little bit of a gauntlet of their own, and they just dropped two out of three to Southern Miss. I, I still think that they, they are the most balanced team. I think that overall they are better than Southern Miss, but Southern Miss has the toughness factor. They're a little bit more seasoned, and they took the series. Coastal, I I can see Old Dominion taking this series. They're, they're going to have to figure a way to keep Coastal from taking command of those games early. I think the point that I previously made of Coastal's swinging the bats well early, they're they're really tough because they want their starters to get somewhere between 15 and 18 outs. Bullpen isn't great outside of Sharkey. They do have some decent arms. I just don't know if it's that deep a bullpen. But this is one where if Old Dominion can swing the bats and let the ballpark give them some of their home runs, That that's a series that Old Dominion can absolutely win. Jay, the Troy coming into the Teague this weekend has an opportunity, I think, to be a very good series as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the, Troy's a team that's hit a lot of home runs this year, and I don't think it's just because they play with a short right field porch. It's a team that comes in, it's got some good power. Um, I think, you know, I think their pitching is okay. I, I, I don't think their pitching is amazing. You know what blows my mind about Troy is – and, and I haven't seen them. All I can do is look at numbers. They're the worst fielding team in the league. That makes no sense. That makes no sense when you play so many games on turf. Um, you know, we have seen some Troy teams in the past that were just amazing defensive clubs. This team's last in the league in defense. I can't figure that one out. But they, uh, but they got some guys who can swing it. They've got some guys with some good power. And and they've got enough pitching to get by. It's going to be an interesting weekend with the uh, the Cajuns being first in fielding and Troy being last in fielding. I think there's some opportunity there uh, with the different field sizes for for us to get Troy in a bind. Hopefully, Danny, have y'all seen Troy? Or do you play Troy this season? We don't go there until. I think it's early May. We have back-to-back -back road trips. We go to Panthersville at the end of April. Or, yeah, it's Panthersville right at the – it's Troy and Georgia State back-to-back -back road trips. I know that, but I can't remember once before. Troy, the Troy's first. There you go. Troy's first. And the other game that gives me just a little bit of pause here because I, uh, is James Madison at Southern Miss. I'm not sure that James Madison is ready for primetime. But at the same time, it, 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 I think it becomes an interesting series down there. Any thoughts on that, Jay? You know, I'm going to have to really get familiar with James Madison because we go up there the following week 
but I, I don't, I don't know enough about the Dukes right now to, to really make much of a comment. I know that, uh, I know they're going to see something in Hattiesburg that they probably hadn't seen all year. Uh, wow. and, and I, and I'm going to, I'm going to wonder, and I'm going to be curious to see how they handle that. Cause if you've never been to Pete Taylor park, that can be a really difficult place to play. Yes. Danny, you guys played there a little bit, uh, a few weeks ago. Have you guys played James Madison yet? No, no. JMU comes to Statesboro to end the season right before we go to Montgomery. Okay. Well, let's talk about Statesboro. You're hosting App State, uh, an App State team that took one from the Cajuns, uh, lost a, a two from the Cajuns. Thank you. Um, and then had a, a, a very weird series with ULM this weekend uh, where the, the weather just looked absolutely miserable. It was raining, and I, I didn't understand why it took the umpires to the sixth inning to the halt play. They didn't get in the second game of the doubleheader. I can but, offer a couple uh, of theories on that one, but we'll, we'll we'll save that for a later time. Okay. App State coming down to Georgia Southern. What do you expect to happen there this weekend then? Uh, the good thing State. is that history is on Georgia Southern's side. I think they've won eight or nine consecutive series against App State. Look, they've been competitive, but the Eagles have always found a way to come out on top. The one thing that would worry you initially is that App State does have one of the league's best number ones in Xander Hamilton, and he dominated Georgia Southern up in Boone last year, even though the Eagles still won that game. They found a way to get it done. His numbers were not good against ULM. They jumped him, and I don't exactly know why. So if, if ULM has found the recipe for how to get to Hamilton, unless it was just a bad day, then that's something that maybe the rest of the league can figure out. But I think with ULM, we've, we've talked about how – respected coach Federico is for the program that he has built and how much things have a way to go against ULM. Now that was nice to see them go on the road and get to it. And even, I don't know that they ever thought they were going to play three games just because of how bad the weather was supposed to be. And I didn't think that Georgia Southern and coast were going to play three, but the weather ended up working out. But for ULM to go up there, that's, that's a really long trip for them to take too. That's, that's a big deal for them. They celebrated Mike Hammett's birthday in style up in, uh, up in Boone. they, I think what happened, if, and, and I'd have to go back and reread, but in the in the first game of the series, ULM got seven in the third inning, and I want to say like five of them were unearned because of, of a couple of mistakes, and and Hamilton never recovered from that, and and for that matter, uh, neither did the uh, neither did the rest of the Mountaineers. Yeah, I think it was walks and hits, batters, and then and then a couple of errors on the. Uh on on app state i watched the majority of that game because it was very early on the day on thursday so but jay any last thoughts on this weekend or what happened last week before we sign off for the day no no not really i'm um you know I, we're st look this weekend when we get to sunday we'll be halfway through the conference schedule there's an awful lot of baseball to be played. And, you know, we're sitting here going, well, they're going to make the tournament or they're not going to make the tournament, or this team is, uh, you know, going to win the league, or, you know, this team is sitting there in sixth place and had a lot of baseball left. And one of the things we do have this year in the league are unbalanced schedules. And uh, some folks, uh, their, their road's going to be tougher the second half of the conference season. Some of them, the schedule's going to lighten up. Got a lot of baseball to play, guys. Danny, final thoughts on the weekend or the weekend to come? 
this is about the time of the year where we get even more cautious about who plays who because you could start to see, well, this team beat that team and that team beat that team. So A to B, B to C, A to C. So this team should beat this other team. Don't get lulled into that because of a lot of circumstances, whether it's home road, whether it is conditions, whether it's health. There, There's a lot of other circumstances that will force you to think that you're making the right decision about a certain series. And we can sit here and we can talk all we want to about who's going to win what. But this is definitely when you start to figure out what teams are capable of, maybe more so than what your preconceived notions would be, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think we saw that just what we talked about up, up at uh, Boone. Hamilton was able to shut down the Cajuns here in Lafayette. And then he gives up 11 runs, nine of them earned in Ooh. four and two thirds inning. So, yeah, anybody can do anything to the, in this league. So don't get too comfortable. Gentlemen, thank you both. Appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate the short notice. Thanks, Danny, for jumping on. Absolutely. Jay, thank you for coming over. Appreciate it. We still haven't had an opportunity to do day drinking, but it's well, I'm just, it's coming. It's brother. coming. <laughs> it's coming. So you've been listening to We're Talking. We've been talking baseball, Sunbelt Conference baseball. But voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, Danny Reed, and voice of the UL Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it. Share it. Put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.